Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Luke chapter number 10, and that's where we'll be for study. You got all sorts of papers on the way in, and I uh, hope you, you kept track of all that, and uh, especially that, that stat sheet, Why Still Unreached. And I hope that you'll read over that. I will draw um, uh, some allusion to that, but uh, that's for your own information. You can also find out more information about world evangelism uh, missionaries at joshuaproject.net, joshuaproject.net, and uh, that is uh, a place where you can even keep up to date with the unreached of the day. Uh, They'll send you an email, or if you download their app, they'll send you an information each day with a different unreached people group that you can pray for that God will send forth labors into the harvest field. And I trust that even throughout this past week, you've been praying uh, more and more deliberately for the Lord to send forth labors into the harvest field. So some of the resources there can be a help to you. And so tonight, uh, we want to look at Luke chapter number 10. I said this last week, that this was Jesus sending out uh, missionaries, and he has his 12. He was going to send forth. They were going to be the foundation of the church. But he called at this particular time 70 more to go out, uh, some 500% more uh, as far as an increase of laborers, and Jesus is still looking for more laborers in this day to bring his hope, his truth, to a world that is very chaotic, very confused, and is very much uh, unaware of who he is and what he has done for them. And so we want to study a little bit more about this tonight and study what Jesus does to equip these individuals. Remember, Jesus does not... He does not call the equipped, he equips the called, and you might not feel very special, very amazing tonight. Most people don't feel real confident about themselves, but isn't it awesome to know that Jesus is not looking for the people who are awesome and above average, he's looking for people who are willing, and he's looking for people he can equip and prepare for the work of the ministry. And so we want to remember that tonight as Jesus instructs these 70 people that weren't a part of his inner circle, so to speak, weren't a part of the 12. They were beyond the 12. They were people that he was just wanting to involve in the work and send them forth. So let's look at uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse number 1, and we're going to read for context's sake this passage of Scripture once again. Reading in verse number 1 of Luke chapter 10, after these things the Lord, the Lord, notice the word Lord, appointed other 70 also, and sent them two and two before his face into a few cities. You're doing a great job tonight, Miss Jeannie. You are on target, all right? All right, are the rest of you listening, looking on? All right, every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Read with me. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field, or into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. 
carry neither purse nor script nor shoes and salute no man by the way and into whatsoever house ye enter first say peace be to this house and if the son of peace be there if if they understand who jesus is if they've accepted god uh, if they've placed faith in god this will be their reply your peace shall rest upon it if not it shall return to you again and in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give for the labor is worthy of his hire go not from house to house and into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you, but into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth unto us, or on us, we do wipe off against you, notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. And that's an old custom, we'll get into that a little bit later on, but it was a custom to wipe off the dust of your feet, understand dusty roads in that day was basically, uh, it was a an, somewhat of an act of, of uh, a descriptive act or a, a depictive act of saying, hey, uh, this all be on you, um, you've rejected and uh, we are we're moving on and so it was it it was something that in their culture was a very uh it was it was a a very uh, harsh thing or a very uh, straightforward thing to say listen you've rejected and now we're moving on and so jesus is saying there comes a point where if your your testimony is not received it's time to move on and you cannot force people to receive salvation. You can't force people to receive Jesus. And so uh, the, the dust is a, a cultural thing we don't do today, um, at least not in this, in this uh, area of the world. So moving on, as we understand that, verse number 12, but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works that have been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. A, a, another, another cultural thing of sackcloth and ashes, a way of mourning. Verse 14, and it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted to the heaven, Thou uh, shalt thou be thrust down unto hell. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth you despiseth me, and he that despiseth me uh, despiseth him that sent me. And again, Jesus is just saying, listen, you're to go deliver the word, and they have a choice to receive or to reject it. And uh, that, that is on them. However they receive and respond to the word, that is on them. And so he's instructing them how to deal with that. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you guide our time in your word. Thank you for each uh, one that has come out tonight. And I pray that it would be beneficial to us. That you also stir our heart for an unreached people group as we uh, look at that just a little bit later on. But stir us with your word, we pray. We need your help. And we want to be good ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ in this day. I pray for our children as they receive the lesson tonight that you'd empower the teachers, and that you would calm the hearts of the children, and you'd help them to understand who Jesus is to them, and help them to understand what is their next step in order to please and follow after Jesus. And I pray the same for the teens. I pray that you'd be with Brother Caleb as he preaches, that you just strengthen, and that there will be a wonderful time as they study through the book of John, 
and that you would answer questions about who you are and that you just bolster and encourage each child that's here tonight. And we do pray for more laborers to be sent into the harvest field from our church family. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus has prepared these 70, and he is instructing them. And the best training is on the job training. So he is about ready. There's about 240 words of instruction that are given here to these guys that are going to go out and preach for Jesus. And as we learned last week, uh, just understand that they might not always have said things like Jesus would have said them. Uh, there was a lot of trust on Jesus' part to put the message in these 70s hands and send them out into these cities where he would eventually come and he would want to continue to work in those cities. So it wasn't going to be cities that he was not going to personally. He wanted them to maintain a good rapport in that city. He didn't want them going from house to house and uh, finding the best meal. Well, this person's serving a steak dinner. This person's having ramen noodles. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to jump over and stay with them. He wanted them to preserve his testimony, uh, to, to be ethical, to uh, treat people right as they were going through the city and, and carrying this message forward. So he's giving very practical instruction. Last week we learned he has a heart. He has a heart to involve more workers and more laborers in the harvest field. He has a heart to send those laborers as teams together. But his prayer is, hey, listen, everyone that I'm sending, I want you to pray that more laborers be sent into the harvest field. And so he's asked us and he's commanded us to pray that same prayer. Uh, Lord, would you send laborers into the harvest field? But notice here in verse 3, notice that Jesus says, as you pray, I want you to go. Look at verse number 3. As you pray, I want you he says, go your ways. Let's say that together. Go your ways. There was a specific message he was saying to these seven he, who he'd already appointed, he already dispatched and said, I'm going to send you. I want you to go your ways. As you pray, I want you to go your ways. Notice he had told them in verse number two to pray for laborers, to beg God for laborers. Something interesting about this particular word um, to pray, it does mean that 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 idea of begging. Uh, the other time it's mentioned in scripture, I mentioned last week, was a leper asking Jesus to heal him of his leprosy. You can imagine that a person with that type of disease would beg creator God to heal him, would beg very sincerely, uh, very deliberately, and would beg uh, consistently that God would heal uh, him of his leprosy. And so that's the idea. We are to beg God that he would send forth labors. We're to beg God that he would send forth labors out of our church. Lord, would you, would you send forth, we beg you for the generation that is upcoming, that you'd send them forth into the harvest fields of the world, that you'd send them forth into, into caring and into their schools and into, their different, uh, and into the different parks where they play. Send them forth to be laborers in the harvest field. But it's interesting here that this word pray is a divine passive. And I don't want to get super technical about this, but it simply is the idea that God is the one doing the action. He's the one developing this urging in our hearts, the urging in the followers of Christ, the urging in the ones who said, I'll go, the urging in the ones who said, you know, I'll leave my place of comfort, I'll leave my workplace, I'll leave my uh, geographic location, I'll leave my dream home behind, I'll leave, and whatever, fill in the blank, that person the Holy Spirit is the one that urges the heart to say, you need to be praying for laborers to go into the harvest field. It's very interesting. Short, the divine passive indicates that God is the doer, the divine producer of an action or an effect described in this, in this passage. He's the divine producer of this burden in our hearts. God, 
please send forth laborers. We look at the darkness all around us. Please send forth laborers into the harvest field. As uh, even this, uh, this week, as we are uh, uh, talking about some of the, uh, the different things that are going on in our own community, on the 14th of this, on this month, the, uh, the abortion clinic on Stroop Road is to stop, uh, stop its services. It's to stop uh, performing abortions. Now, whether that's for a month or um, for beyond that, but you know, one of the things that's interesting is as, as the abortion, there's pressure on the abortion industry to, to, um, to stop uh, performing abortions, uh, one of the things Planned Parenthood is doing is they are very, very, very clever on, uh, on taking the opportunity to, to pivot from uh, uh, abortion practices and helping people along in that way and really funneling to the abortions to helping out with the, um, the, the cross-gendering. And it's amazing how dark, how dark and very clever Satan is in this day, uh, that we, we continue to just get darker and darker in our day. Now, the answer is Jesus Christ, right? And, and we must remember this. We must remember this. People are trapped and blinded in, the, in these things, in these ways of thinking. In their mind, this is the only answer. I, I must go through with the abortion, or my only answer is I, I must cross gender, as we're, we're talking about in the growth group on Sunday morning. I, I have to have this, this block, or I have to transition, or whatever. They're trapped into this mindset, and they, they, are, they, are, they are stuck. And except for the Lord Jesus showing up in their life like he did in the, the, the maniac of, uh, of Gadara in, in Mark chapter number five, uh, there, there's hopelessness. There's hopelessness. But what I am saying is we see all of this going on around us and it doesn't always make sense to our minds. And friends, it's that Holy Spirit uses to say, hey, it's time to pray right now. It's time to pray that more laborers would go to the harvest field. Don't we understand that more ladies need to meet ladies in our community and offer them the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? More people need to be engaging the public, not less. We need to be more engaged believer will be directed by the holy spirit to pray for laborers he's the one that guides us into all truth so they were to pray but he says in verse number three they were to go their way they were to get up and take action they couldn't just stay in their spot and 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 just simply pray and well you know, I've done my spiritual duty. No, God says, I want you to now get up and I want you to go, go your way. Move away from this place, go to another place. Go your way, go your way. Be going. So in praying for laborers, these individuals needed to be willing to go themselves. Now sometimes we can get to maybe a certain age or maybe a certain place in life and we can pray for laborers and we can be tempted right in this room. We just saw a whole lot of potential walk out of this room, right? right? That's a whole lot of years of life right there. We can be tempted as a little bit more older or senior or mature, however you want to undefine yourself. We can, we can be very content to pray, Lord, send labors out of that group. But it's not right for us to pray for labors and not be willing to go ourselves. It's not right to, um, to, to merely uh, you know, check off the spiritual duty. I've, I've prayed and I've done my, my duty. No, we need to be willing to go ourselves. And so I think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was very ready to obey the Lord. Acts 9 and verse number 6. What did he say? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Well, that was his heart. As soon as he had come to Jesus Christ in salvation, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, you're my master. 
What will, you have, uh, what will thou have me to do? Uh, Mark 5, and verse 19. Again, referencing the maniac of Gadara. After he came to Christ, was sitting clothed and in his right mind. He had stopped coping by cutting himself. Do you know how relevant the Bible is? How relevant that is? We see a culture that, that turns to so many different things to, to, uh, to simply cope with the pain of life. Here's this man in Mark 5 cutting himself cutting himself. We see that going on in our culture, don't we? Right? But he, he had finally come to Jesus. Jesus went out and sought him, and he come to Jesus. He understood who Jesus was, and he believed on him. And Jesus healed him. He delivered him of his demons, uh, uh, thousands of demons, and he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. And his immediate desire was, hey, I want to go be with my master. I want to go, uh, go on with my master. And so he was, he was thinking that way. That was his desire. And Jesus said, nope, go back. And I want you to go tell your friends the great things that I've done for you and the compassion I've shown on you. And you know what? He went his way. But Jesus said, go. And he obeyed. He obeyed. He followed the Lord. And you know what? You have a specific way. You have a very specific way that God has given you he wants you to follow after he wants you to go down that way what is that way is it to a certain person is it to a certain place and uh i'm going to go ahead and take care of a distraction that is distracting me right now uh over here you might not know it but there's a, a lovely lady who cannot make it to church that is listening in by phone and this uh this timer is going off and so i'm going to just turn off that timer right there and allow miss laura to continue to listen right now all right so uh that distraction aside I'm grateful that there are people who want to listen in uh, to the services here when they can't get here. Uh, she is physically not able to be. So God has a specific way for us. God has a specific way for you, not just for them. He has a specific way for us. I think um, a couple of weeks ago, Brother Mike uh, came in on a, on a Monday morning, and I had an appointment with a, with a salesman. And uh, I got into the gospel with him. You know, I had another today, another opportunity to follow up by phone and, and speak to him. And his heart is so open to the gospel. It's amazing what God is doing in his, in his life. And you know what? For that day, that was my way. That was the specific. And that, that happened around 9 o'clock in the morning. And you know what, what, was, what was a Monday really was blessed in that, in that way. That was a specific way. Where is the way that God has for you? He said, hey, don't just be content to pray. Pray, beg, follow the urge of the Spirit, but you got to go. You got to go your way. It's time, there is a time to depart. There is a time to get on the plane. There is a time to get in the car. There is a time to engage that conversation. There is a time to set that appointment. Go your way. And the question is, does Jesus, as our Lord, as our Master, as our Savior, does he have complete control over our lives? Because many times going our way is going to require a shifting of, of our schedule. It's going to require something to change, uh, or it's going to blend with ours, and it's simply going to it's going to simply require us being willing to step out and to engage that conversation. Does he have full control? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify him. Glorify him. Exalt him. C.T. Sud said this, If Jesus Christ be on God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. 
He had made great sacrifice, leaving behind a, a wonderful career, a very lucrative career to follow Christ and be a missionary in a, in a continent with very, uh, many unreached. And yet his heart was, if Jesus sacrifices life for me, nothing, nothing is too great for me to sacrifice. There has to come a point where we go our way like Jesus said. But as you go in verse number three, notice with me, what does Jesus say? He says, go your ways, and then what's the next word? Help me out here. Behold. Behold. Now, we don't often use that, that lingo, right? Behold. Right? Uh, uh, behold, coffee. You know, <laughs> we, don't, we don't use that lingo. But at the same time, we understand what, he, what he's getting at. Behold. Hey, stop, pause, and look at this. I want you to pay attention to this. Or, for purposes of tonight, realize something. Realize something. Uh, as you go... I want you to realize, and he's going to give a lot of things that they need to take, um, take note of, but here he says, as you go, realize, or behold, look, look at this. What, is, and what does he want them to realize? Well, behold, I am sending you forth. I'm the one sending you. Uh, Jesus Christ is the one sending you. Behold, I send you. I, being the master, being the savior, being our redeemer, the lover of our soul, the one who created us. Think about this. He says, I send you. I send you. I dispatch you. I send you out for a designated purpose. So just like you have a way, and you need to follow in that way. You need to go your way. Jesus says, I'm sending you to a specific purpose. Isn't it awesome to think that Jesus has lined up for us specific things to do, and I believe specific people to meet in our lifetime and witness of him too. And I wonder how many that is that he has designated for me. I don't know. I wonder how many he has designated for you. I, I further shudder to think how many I've missed. But the fact is, he, has, he, has, he is sending us in a very direct and, and meaningful, specific way. And it's not just that he's sending us and then you know, stops and you know, it's just kind of one point in time. No, it's a, it's a daily, ongoing sending. This doesn't end. This isn't a moment in time. He is sending us forth. He said to these guys, I'm sending you forth. I'm dispatching you. And Christ sending them transcended every other calling in life. When, when the creator of all the universe dispatches us to something, that transcends everything else. All my dreams, all my plans, I had plans. I had plans. And I think about the plans that I had uh, at the age of 12 and 13, and you know, they, they, often, they often vary just like I'm experiencing with my own kids. Well, I want to be this, and I want to be this, and I want to be this. Well, I, I, I fully intended in my teenage years, I was, going to, I was going to become an Indiana State Trooper. I wanted to be in law enforcement. And so I, I had this plan, and I, went that, I, I had that in mind. I knew where I wanted to go to college. I knew uh, what I wanted to take in college, and I had, I had this plan. Do you know there came a point where I had to surrender that plan, and I had to realize that God's calling on my life transcended all the plans I had for my life. And you know what I'm finding now is that God was able to take some of the desires of my heart and give them back to me. And it's amazing, even, even here uh, in, in this, in this uh, community, how the Lord has allowed me to, uh, to serve and encourage the law enforcement community. But that wasn't something I, I, I looked for. It was something that God gave back to me. It was a desire of the heart that the Lord gave back to me. But it, there ultimately had to be a surrendering to his, his plan. I send you. 
I dispatch you. We don't always know all the outs of that dispatch. Sometimes when I get a call from the police department and they're dispatching me out to, on somewhere, I don't know all the ins and outs. And just go, right? You go to this address and see this person on scene. And you just go. And there's times where God says, just go here, and I'll show, you, I'll show you the rest once you get there. And it takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of obedience. But he says, uh, I'm, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. What authority was upon them? They were going in the name of Jesus. What, what confidence they could have. I'm being sent in the stead of Christ. I'm a forerunner of Christ. What power they had because Jesus had all power. Do you see yourself as sent by Christ in this generation? You're not living in 1950 right now. Maybe you did, but you're not now. Uh, you're not living in the 1800s. You're not you're not going to live in, in 2000, uh, 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 2000, what are 2100. You're not going to live there, right? Uh, you're, you're here right now. This is the generation that God has given to you to live in. This is, the, this is the time in America's history that God has placed you here as a citizen, right now. And we can kind of wish for the good old days or wish things would get better, but this is the time that God has given us. He sent us here, now. He's put you in that neighborhood right now. He's put you in that workplace right now. Christ is the one who sins, but I want us to notice what he says here and what he prepares these guys for. He says, behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. As lambs among wolves. Have you ever gotten an eerie feeling? Like someone's watching me? Like I'm in danger or something? Maybe, ladies, you're going out in a parking lot that's not, not bright. You know, you're on your way out at out of a store or something like that. Uh, just an eerie feeling. I remember it was my responsibility to take the trash out when I was a youngster, and I remember always being spooked by the dark, and uh, we had this dog named Kippy. Kippy was a beagle, and I think we had one other dog, but Kippy always would run off if it wasn't on a leash. I mean, that thing, that thing would run as fast as it can, uh, could. And uh, anyway, have Kippy, and I know I, I had a neighbor's dog that I was responsible to help uh, watch out over, and I forget that dog's name, but re regardless, I would, I would have one of those dogs with me, and you know, I, 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 I was spooked by the dark, you know, having to take the trash out. I was spooked by the dark, and I would talk, talk loud and big as a little guy, and you know, all, all that stuff. Spooked, eer eerie feeling. You know, I, I look at this, this passage of Scripture. Jesus says, hey, guys, I'm, um, I'm, I'm sending you out. Great. We're going in the name of Jesus. We get to do something for God. As lambs among wolves. I mean, that is descriptive. I kind of get an eerie feeling about that. Lambs among wolves. Danger. There's not comfort there. There's not comfort at all. In fact, um, there's a loss of the comfort zone. Lambs together. A, a, a herd, there's a little bit, or a flock, I should say, uh, a little bit of safety or a defense mechanism just by staying together. Uh, but no, not, not here. Guys, show this video uh, uh, about this, this lambs and wolves thing. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not a pleasant thing. Uh, can you guys help us out with that? And so this lady was going down the road. I don't know where it was, but lady was going down the road. And what you're watching is a wolf chasing after a sheep. And uh, right now, gets it. Pretty quick. Watches its prey for a second. 
proceeds to drag it off. Now, that's the illustration that Jesus is using. He is sending his followers out as lambs among wolves. Now, you say, wait a minute, that just sounds like a suicide mission. I mean, what's up with, what's up with this? Uh, I do want us to remember that Jesus is telling these guys, I'm sending you outside of your comfort zone. I'm sending you outside of your comfort zone. You may even have to leave the flock, so to speak. They're going two by two, but still. You even saw how, how easy it was for that wolf to, to clip off that one that was running with a, with a group. So two by two, they're going out two by two. But they were not to expect to be royally treated by the world. They were to expect to be persecuted and sometimes even killed. One of the things that I believe diminishes missionary work and the outreach of the gospel is exactly the reality of what's going on. There is a spiritual battle that is going on. There's a war between good and evil. There's a war between sides, Satan and the Savior. And he says, hey, I'm sending you out into this. And they might have to go away from the flock, but I do want us to remember they are not going away from the shepherd. They're not going away from the shepherd, and it does require intense trust. Jesus said, Matthew 28, in verse number 20, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. It does require intense, incredible trust, total trust on him. The reality is that many of us, especially as American believers, many of us stop right here. When Jesus starts talking the risk of our comfort, we stop. We struggle with the idea that we might be rejected. We struggle with the idea that we might have to give up personal comfort to carry a message from the Savior, the master of the universe, the, the Savior of the world, to a lost and dying world. We struggle with that, and so we stop. And, and sometimes we think, if this is the level of commitment that's going to be required, then I'm not up for this. Isn't there like... Isn't there like a nominal spot that I can be? Isn't there a place where I can just kind of hang out and, 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 and fulfill my, my life's existence and not really get that, that extreme? You know, can I, can I find a safe zone to be in? Jesus sends us out of our comfort zones. That paper that you have in front of you notes that, notes that there's been little change in Christian adherence around the globe, uh, even since the, the 1900s, it's interesting to see that there has been, there has been, a, there's been kind of a stain. There, there's, there's not a, a massive growth of this. And I think some of this has to, do with, has to do with the fact that there is a great need for more laborers and a great need for people to leave their comfort zones, myself to leave our comfort zone uh, and get out into the harvest but it mentions this in, in your paper there, over 90% of long-term missionaries work in already Christianized groups. You'll show us that map there and help us out. Uh, it's less than 10%. Some su uh, researchers suggest 3% of all missionaries work in unreached people groups. And so the red dots being the unreached people groups and only... Oh, only you know, somewhere in between 10% and 3% is what is understood of missionaries that are on foreign fields that work in those groups. You think about that. You think about the, the, the need for us to leave our comfort zones and reach 
the world that still needs to hear of Jesus Christ. And uh, not to say that God is not working. He is working all over the world. He is working in marvelous ways. And I believe when, uh, when, when uh, we are delinquent that, that the Lord is able and uh, he does do marvelous, marvelous works. And we hear about that, especially in the Muslim nations right now. The Lord is, is working in powerful ways. I mentioned even radio broadcasts. And the Lord has given us in this day and age, he's given us the internet uh, through which to uh, communicate the gospel. And nothing replaces the presence of people. But we see that there's a great need for Christians like you and me to leave our comfort zones and to get the message out somewhere else. I saw the statistic, and you see it there on your paper. I think of America uh, is so so focused on its comforts, even noticing this on the, the left-hand side or the right-hand side of your paper, North Americans spend the same on Halloween costumes for pets as they do on outreach to unreached people groups. This is, again, from the Joshua, the Joshua Project. But the amount of money that is spent on things that really will not matter in eternity. And that's North Americans, but what about for us? What do we spend on what does not matter for eternity what is not going to make a difference in somebody's life for eternity? Nothing of eternal value happens outside, or, in, or I should say, nothing of eternal value happens inside of our comfort zones. God is always sending us out of our comfort zones, and he helps us to realize, hey, it, it's difficult out there. Now, let's remember this. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Right? For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So can you scare a believer, a true believer with heaven? I hath not seen nor ear heard the things that God hath laid up for them that love him. And if we truly have our eyes in the prize, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing can dissuade us from that. That, that is ultimate gain. And friends, to, to die and be with the Lord is a, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, and it is going to be a great day of rejoicing to be in his presence. But he says right now, listen, he says in Mark 8, 34, And when he called the people unto him with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Christ is asking for a high commitment. We commit to a lot of things. I think about, I think about our, our, our military and how many will commit their lives, go over into a, a, a place of battle, knowing, risking. Some of you have been through that risking your life. You sign up, you, you know that you might not return. What a high level of commitment. Jesus is asking a high level of commitment. He's saying, I, I need you to take my truth to a world that doesn't necessarily want it. And even like we learned on Sunday morning, we stand between the dead and the living. And we praise God for those that receive it and respond to it and say, yes, yes. But there is a call outside of our comfort zone. So we should pray that more laborers be sent into the harvest fields. Yes, we should. But we should also be willing to go. And as we go, we need to realize this is going to lead us outside of our comfort zones. And it's there that we can see the power of God. It's there that we can see God really working. It's there that we can know the presence of the Savior and the presence of our Master, that He doesn't leave us or forsake us even in those, those moments. And He will give us grace all the way to the end. Did He give Paul grace when he stood before Nero? Yeah. No man stood with me, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Yes, that's what Jesus does. And so we give Him praise for that. 
Are we willing to leave? Are you willing to leave your comfort zones trusting fully in the care of the Savior who promises to bring you safely home? Who promises, hey, an eternity, a secured eternity with him forever to those that believe on him? Wow. Yeah, it's a high calling. He doesn't say, ah, it's just going to be easy. It's all going to be a bed of roses. It's going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be really great. No, he says, he warns them up front. He isn't like Satan who gets us, he, he wins us with pleasure and then says, actually, it's really a bad deal. He isn't like Satan. Jesus warns us, tells us up front, hey, if you're going to follow me, it's, there's going to be some dangers along the way. And you might even have to give up your life for me, but this is what I'm calling you to, a high-level commitment. I gave my life for you. Would you do the same for me? Would you trust me along the way? And so as we pray for these areas of the world that need the Lord Jesus Christ and need more laborers, let's ourselves be willing to go, starting with our own neighbors, starting wherever we are. Let's be willing to go. Let's take, take the message. And I want us to hear tonight about the country of Oman, and it's another country in the Middle East area, and, uh, and I believe that this would be helpful to pray for tonight and pray that God would send laborers specifically to this, uh, to this region that needs, uh, desperately needs, uh, needs the Lord, 7,400 miles away from here, costs about $1,300 uh, to get there by, um, by plane, but it, way far away from us, but a place in desperate need of the Lord Jesus Christ near Saudi Arabia, you see there, and on the, on the coast. And let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about what's going on there in this video. Dear God, I left before you my country of Oman, my people, I pray for the government to have openness for different social media so that my people in Oman will hear the good news of Jesus Christ through these sites. I also, Lord, pray for the emotional conflict and struggle of the local Omanis who hears about you but hesitant to make the decision of salvation. I pray for the local churches in Oman that they will leave their comfort zone and go out and reach to the Omani neighbors. I pray they will have the strength and the boldness to do so. I also, Lord, pray for different radio stations and different TV in Arabic language to be open in Oman and will be a door for Omanis to hear the good news of salvation. Lord, I pray for the students, the Omani students who studies abroad you will send the right Christians to them, and these Christians will be light and a brighter path by telling them about you, Lord. They will be a good witness as well. I pray for the spiritual growth of the saved Omani, and they will be in contact with the right Christians to help them grow spiritually. I pray for the Christian Arabs from different countries around Oman they will leave their countries and come and live and work as missionary in Oman and occupy a good position. In this way, they will be a witness in their workplaces. I pray for repentance of the national sins and peace of the national conflict. Bless this nation, bless my nation of Oman, bless my people of Oman. Open their eyes to that you are the only way and the only light of the world. In Jesus' name I pray. 
see on your sheet there that uh, the population is about 33.6 uh, million uh, people. Um, the religion, 90% Muslim, 5% Hindu, 4% Christian, 1% uh, Buddhist, uh, major language, Arabic, also Swahili's in there. I thought that was interesting. And uh, there's a high literacy rate there. Uh, but the population in unreached people groups, 91%. So a major of, uh, portion of uh, the Omanis are unreached. And so let's, as we go to prayer tonight, especially remember uh, and just ask specifically that the Lord would send forth labors into that section of his harvest field. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.